Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. Stand by. page freebie and I was reading through some of it earlier 
pretty not I mean, dude, like the art and everything that is described, you know, alongside the words and stuff is pretty amazing. And uh, I just wanna say, dude, wow. A regular dude during the day and then a wrestler a luchador by night. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I've had a fan base in professional wrestling. I've had uh, been a fan for you know as long as I can remember, and then had a stint where I did some stuff behind the scenes for a little while in wrestling. I've I've had this idea. Uh, I wrote a zombie novel a couple years back, and it didn't have great success. I learned a lot from it though, which helped. And then I found a great artist by the name of Hario Rios uh, out of Brazil, and we just clicked. Uh, I thought my script was decent, and then he came through with this art that has just blown my script out of the water. It's brought it to life. So the book is about a guy named Ethan. Uh, by day, he's a call center rep. By night or by weekend, he is a independent professional wrestler, travels the road just like every other indie guy. So you'll have a connection. But due to some things in his past and different things, he's a little twisted. So you get on the wrong side of him and he's a sadistic serial killer. So think an ECW style wrestler wearing a lucha mask mixes with professional wrestling meets Dexter. (laughs) That's kind of the synopsis I can think of for it. That's pretty cool, actually. I mean, think of, like, all the concepts that normal, like, wrestling comics come by, and they're, I'm not going to say cheesy lines, but I've I've ventured into some stores in New York, and I've read some wrestling comics, and they're not that, they're not bad. It's just very, you know, entertaining, like the single comics of, let's say, The Undertaker back in the day, back when... I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna point this out. When Vince Russo was the editor of WWF magazine, and you got to see all the art that Jerry Lawler used to draw, and uh, I just want to, you know, ask you what was your inspiration for all the writing that you've done thus far, as you know, as a comic book writer for pro wrestling, because this is a rarity, folks. I mean, it's seldom that you come across someone who is inspired by professional wrestling and can turn it into, you know, some form of writing and not only turn it into some form of writing, but also have an artist pose someone's words into their art. And also, I mean, let me just, it's a long, too long of a question. So what inspired you to start Heel Turn Comics? So basically what I did was, like I said, I wrote that zombie book in the past before that, uh, between 2014 to 2016, I was um, the main media guy for the National Wrestling Alliance under Bruce Park prior to Billy Corgan purchasing it and bringing it back. Um, I was actually there with the regime that took over from, oh, who was it? Bill Barron's and all of those guys. Um yeah, I was part of that whole transition as that trend after that to how I became to Bruce by himself. Um, I just happened to be into the wrestling scene in Houston and stuff like that, I had friends. So I did that for a while, 
And then I like writing. A friend of mine, Col- I don't know if you know Colby Primo. Uh, pr- pr- I've heard the name. I think that's how you say his name. Never really. Uh, he he did a lot of stuff for Houston with uh, with uh, wrestling name was Tony Br- uh, Brooklyn. I think he was the owner of Houston wrestling, the Houston wrestling Lone Star Championship wrestling, whatever. And uh, they did some stuff together for a while. Tony or Colby is still in behind the scenes wrestling, but he had a journalism degree or something like that, I believe. But anyway, we got together and we just created the NWA magazine that came out for it was about seven seven uh magazines. Every other month we came out with them. I mean, we had Santana Garrett on the cover. We've had articles on you know they were KES Killer Elite Squad. Uh, several Ray Rowe was in there. You know, several of the guys that have gone on to. The, the big two, you know, some of the big ones, and then Japan and all that. Uh, we had Justin, Jushin Liger. I had an honor of putting him on the cover of the magazine and doing stuff with him. Um, so I've been writing for a little bit here and there. That's why I got my – I started writing for that and then discovered I loved it. Um, my mom pointed out to me that I used to actually love writing wrestling for a long time because I used to do – I don't know how old you are, but uh, you're familiar with MSN groups back in the day and the E-Federations? Oh, yes. My friend Ellie's actually was a part of one of those. I was part of several of them. I had a really good Jeff Jericho Jeff Jer- character that I did, and then I had a couple of um, creative characters that I did um, for a while. But that's where I really got started writing was in the E-Feds and I never thought of it as writing. It was just something fun to do as a nerdy kid. And then now I've had this idea for a while. I'm like, independent wrestlers travel the world, travel all over. And honestly, unless you're a big name, most people in the area have no idea who you are unless they see you at the show. And if you're a lucha or if you're under the mask, like a true, a true fan of the mask, they really have even less idea who you are. Um, that so what perfect way to get away with murdering somebody? <laughs> so that idea came, true. and I will tell you, I stole that idea because I'm a fan of Dexter, which I'm glad is coming back. But I'm a fan of Dexter, and I mean, he's a blood splatter expert, expert to kill people. I was like, he gets away with it there. I mean, I know it's a TV show, but I was like, same premise, but professional wrestling. So. That's where Hillturn came from, and then, like I said, I met Perio, and he just his artwork has just brought it alive uh, more than I thought it could. It is set for a seven book series. We're, we're book one right now. The Kickstarter will be live on June 26th. Uh, promoting a little bit early, trying to get people to follow us and kind of see what's going on. But the reason it's so late is on June 26th. You back us, you're going to get an exclusive day one poster uh, from Ed Smith, who is a comic guy, um, artist. You can look him up uh, on Facebook, Ed Smith. And then you're also, by backing us, you're help supporting us. By the time, if we get funded right off the bat, if we get funded, the digital comic book goes out on day 31 because it'll be 100% done before the Kickstarter launches. So not, you're not going to have any of this wait time. 
as soon as Kickstarter does sends me, hey, you're you're funded. We have closed your campaign. I email out all of the digital copy, digital rewards, and then I submit for my prints. As soon as the prints come back, I send them out. So you're not going to have to wait too much for this thing to get finished and then printed and then to you. You're going to have to wait a couple of weeks while the print happens, but other than that. And during this time frame, book two is already, the script is pretty much done. We're ready to, you know, while one's going on Kickstarter, we're going to be drawing book two. That's cool. So let me ask you this, like, outside of comics, do you keep up with a lot of wrestling? Do you watch AEW? Do you watch WWE Impact? New Japan, do you, are you just a wrestling aficionado? What do you classify yourself as in regards to outside of comics? Um, I, as a professional. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're fine. I love wrestling. Um, I haven't watched it as much here lately. I did watch WrestleMania. Ironically, I'm sitting here watching Shane this as United States Champion on Raw right now, um, as we speak. So, uh, but, I mean... I watch here and there with WWE. WWE's kind of lost me recently due to the the same problems that are, I'm not going to beat the dead horse, but the same problems a lot of people talk about. Um, and I love AEW. Um, I'm not a big fan of some of the new style of wrestling personally, but the show is good. Uh, they, they're doing a lot of things. I love the cross promotions that they're doing, no matter what my feeling is on impact. I love it because I'm a wrestling fan and I want wrestling to succeed, no matter what style. Like, a lot of people love New Japan. The wrestlers are great. I don't like New Japan style personally, but New Japan is a great promotion. Uh, I love the fact that MLW is fixing to be on Vice TV. Um, I followed them, you know, from their kind of startup and through all that stuff. So we've got, you know, basically, if you look at it, you can watch wrestling every night of the week from support. Uh, NWA Power. Yeah. I, love, I loved what Billy did with NWA Power. Pre-COVID. You, you say, you mentioned style. And like, you know, like a flavor of ice cream, there's fans with different flavors of, you know, professional wrestling. Like my new co-host is not on here tonight, but he will be revealed on Wednesday during Off the Rails Uncensored. And that's because uh, he told me, he's like, I like deathmatch wrestling. And, you know, it depends on what kind of wrestling I am engrossed in. It has to involve blood. And I was like, oh, so you must have been an ECW fan back in the day. But before ECW, guys, there was AWA, NWA. And um, I'm about 33 years old. I remember vaguely some old, like, VHSs of Blockbuster that I would watch of, like, Barry Wyndham and Tully Blanchard and Wahoo McDaniel and... You know, just guys that were involved and had a lot of color in wrestling. I don't think wrestling needs color all the time, unless there's, like, a payoff or, you know, something big. But for me, being from the East Coast, let me just say, we're very picky bitches out here. There are those of us who jumped ship from WWE a long time ago because, like you said, it's like beating a dead horse bring up the old issues which would take forever and a day to get through. So I'm not going to, I'm going to spare the fans my <laughs> rant, you know what I mean? But like you've listened to my, some of my shows that I sent you, I do get pretty vocal about what 
I like and what I dislike. Um, I will mention that briefly here in just a second, but I'm going to ask you, like, um, since, you know, have your comics caught the attention of some major names? Like, has anyone come across you and say, hey, you know, we've seen your stuff. This is pretty good. You know, you should, like, we're interested in, you know, because, like, names like that come up in my mind that would come across your comics and go, wow, this, you know, this guy's got it going on, you know. The art and the words just flow really nicely, which they do because the five pages that I've read so far, my friend, wow. It's like if this was a movie type thing, if, the, if your stuff actually turns into a movie, my God, dude, you know you made it big. But um, <laughs> has your has your stuff come across like Jim Ross or maybe – even bigger, you know, like promoters or, or wrestlers like have t- taken notice of your stuff yet. But have you have you been messaged by anybody big yet? I have not been messaged. However, so I'm a firm believer in you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So I have recently gone through and found a lot of my old contacts from when I worked in the NWA. I had a laundry list of press contacts uh, in the wrestling industry, um, you know, Wrestling Absorber, PWI contacts, Deuce Stacks, which I know he's not really there no more, Bill After. You know, I've, I've had a bunch of those contacts. Um, I recently just added, blindly added them to my newsletter. Um, to my, just, you know, to my excitement, um, I can go in the back end to see who has opened it. Now, it doesn't mean they've clicked on links. They haven't clicked on links. They just opened it. Whether they read the email, they've opened the email, and I've seen that they have at least opened the newsletter. Um, a couple of names that pop into my mind, uh, Jim Cornette was one of them that opened it. You know, some of these big names, I sit there and I think, I'm like, okay, they're just going to unsubscribe or delete it. They're never going to open this email. You know, but I'm like, why not try? Jim Cornette has opened it. Never heard anything from it. He opened the first one. I just went off Saturday. I have not looked at the names of people that have opened it yet. Um, but I had Dave Meltzer. I had his email address. I have him. Op- I have information of him opening it. Um, Stu Stack. You know, some of these names that are big in the industry when it comes to news and things. So whether or not – nobody has particularly reached out to me that has seen it, but I know that people have um, – I won't say I was friends, but I've done graphic design work with Lance Hoyt or Lance Archer now, um, back when he was wrestling indies. And then when he went to Japan, um, I did some work for him in Japan. I did some work right before he signed with AEW. And actually one of my t-shirts that he sells on pro wrestling tees, a couple of them. Um, he actually had one on his debut in that video, the teaser video. He was wearing my design on national TV, which I thought was cool. But when it comes to those comics, I haven't necessarily got anybody reaching out to me. But I am just now putting forth a strong leg of promotion um, on it, too. So I haven't promoted it to a lot of these places. I haven't tagged people to try to see if they'll share it. Um, I haven't messaged individuals to see if they would even check it out. So no, but at the same time, I could very well see it happening sooner rather than later. Now – just to touch base real quick on your movie comics. The cool thing about comics is I'm not writing it to make a movie. If it happens, okay, but I'm, that's not my goal. I'm writing it because I want the style to come out. 
If it hits big, great. If it doesn't and it flops, I'm getting it out anyway because I love it. Um, but I actually, it's, I have a couple of Kickstarter exclusives. You can see them on my Facebook. For There's going to be Kickstarter variant cover. And then there is another variant cover that is in the progress that will be released on Kickstarter um, that is actually going to be an homage to the wrestler movie poster. Um, but it's going to be my character, but it's going to be my, uh, my homage to the wrestler movie. Granted, a lot of people don't like it, but my character is a, de- since you're, you're, um, co-host, my character is an extreme deathmatch wrestler. He, you know, he, he's got scars on him. He, he bleeds. He wrestles hardcore matches on the independent scene. So, you know, he might need to take a look at it if he hasn't yet. Um, yeah, I'm going to tell him because, like, you know, we, we actually work together in the same place. So, you know, genuinely speaking, you know, this is a big deal because you're one of the guests I could say is around a big thing because I've had guys um, previously that have done, you know, different or different wavelengths. Like I've had a Danny Cage from Monster Factory, Minnie Bailey, you know, from NXT, um, but you, sir, like I said, you know, a very, like, I always tell my guests, like, I've read your stuff, I've seen your stuff. I like the attitude that you're presenting because some guys, you know, they they have no qualms about it. I keep mentioning this dude. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the name Buku Dao, but he cracks me up because <laughs> I don't know if he, I still to this day, Will, do not know if he was sober or drunk on one of my shows because I've had him on two times. And anyways, he goes, uh, Callan Ricochet. And I go, oh my. Um, so what I'm going to ask you is, is like, have you ever had that moment in your life where you're like, man, this is a dream come true. I'm actually doing what I want to do. I'm not doing a, you know, I, I'm pretty assuming sure that you have a, a nine to five. I'm not delving into your personal, but like, have you ever had that moment where you step back and go, wow, I'm actually getting to do, finally getting to do what I've been wanting to do for the longest time, which is write comics. And by the way, you said, you mentioned your, your co-artist and I'm curious to know like how you came across him, like how, how you aligned with him and he like read your stuff and like, Hey, maybe I can make this work for you. How did that relationship come about? Okay, so um, to answer that question, I actually met him through a couple of comic book um, groups that I'm in that are just standard comic groups. And he's out of Brazil. Uh, he's a Brazilian. And he's actually going to write a Portuguese, Brazilian-Portuguese version of – he's going to translate our comic into Brazilian-Portuguese for me. But I met him. He's a, uh, he's a marketer down there, works for some big marketing company, and he's – does comics on the side and we just I started talking with him I needed an artist I loved his work so I we came to an agreement he started doing it and like I said he saw the script he brought my script to life like I I was excited for it but then every day he sent me pages I was even more excited about it Uh, but that answers that question now the other question Uh, yeah so when I was into the big wrestling, I've gotten to meet and do all sorts of stuff. I've met lots of big names. I've 
hung out with them. Um, I, I've done lots of stuff, and then I had some personal stuff go on, and now I am getting back, not necessarily into the wrestling world, but right, this comic is kind of satisfying my writing needs and my love of professional wrestling. Um, let me give back to the industry, so to speak. But I'm giving back using an independent style versus a mainstream style. Um, I want to showcase the the side that nobody sees on the independent. You know, when independent shows, unless you're into independence or you're friends with wrestlers, uh, you actually had a relative of mine, who's also a wrestler, Sean Dunn, um, recently. Um, I actually designed his all, a lot of his logos and stuff like that. But, you know, doing all that, it, I love it. Uh, but, sorry, I got squirreled off track there. But, yes, I've done, <laughs> in my NWA stuff, I got to, I've interviewed and I've talked to J.J. Dillon. I've talked to Harley Race uh, back when he was around. Um, I was actually a big vital part of getting the NWA Classics online. Um, I built the website. I got a lot of that online when they were doing that. Uh, so I got to see all that old school Paul Bosch footage prior to anybody else getting there. Um, you know, one of the same, same things that come to my mind on that all school footage is that footage, it has the very first time Andre Giant was ever power slammed. And it wasn't Hulk Hogan that everybody's familiar with at WrestleMania 3. I believe it's 3. Don't quote me on that. But everybody's familiar with Hulk Hogan doing it. Harley Race did it year, uh, like a couple of years before Hogan ever did down in Houston. Uh, and there's video footage out there. It's the Paul Bosch Houston wrestling footage. But I got to do that. Um, I've actually gone through doing conventions and stuff. Uh, a friend of mine, Brian Thompson, or used to be a, a co-worker, and I got friends with him, and I got to meet Bobby, and I got to travel with Bobby to some shows in Tennessee where Bobby actually introduced me to Jim Cornette, to Tom Pritchard, to Bobby Fulton, to uh, we went out to Ricky Morton's school, and I got to meet Ricky Morton, who up until that time I didn't know shared the same birthday as I did. Um, you know, and I was at Ricky Morton's school before he had, like right after his first class that he had in his new school out there after he opened it up. Uh, I got to meet AJ Styles because when he was IWGP championship, I actually got to hold the old IWGP championship, which that's legendary in itself. Um, so, I mean, yes, I've had my share of what I call fame to me. It may not be mainstream, but it's big enough to me. And this is just my way of giving back and let me enjoy a little bit of that wrestling fame, but at the same time, not having to worry about diving into that world anymore. That's a that's a pretty extensive resume, folks. I mean, to interview J.J. Dillon and to interview Harley Race. Do you guys, like, for those of you asking questions on Instagram, it's Wrestle underscore radio. Also, Wrestle Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com. And if you're going to the Twitter, it's at underscore Brian Rails. If you have any questions for Will, we'll be willing to answer them live on air. So... I do, as soon as I say that. So, Eugenia 
from the UK still thinks that Granny Holkster is going to come back on my show. And yes, that is her host name. She does another podcast now, but um, she would like to ask, so what was it, you know, was there some kind of euphoric feeling interviewing someone, The in her own words, the magnitude of a J.J. Tillon and a Harley race? That's uh, Okay. That is a loaded question, but did you have any kind of feelings of like, holy shit, I'm actually interviewing uh, two legends that are, you know, iconicized, you know, by the wrestling community? Did you have any, like, nervousness while you were doing it, or did you just go with the flow? Well, at that time, I had already done, I had just, I used to host a uh, small time show on. Um, blog talk. It was called Indie Affliction. It only had a couple. Um, I did. I had done. That's where I started getting into interviewing guests. I had had uh, Matt Bourne, who everybody knows as Joint the Clown, prior to his passing away, um, and I had some other um, independent names. So I've had my share of introduced with the famous people. But yes, deep down inside, I was marking out and fanboying all over the place. However, when it came to the interviews, because I was doing these interviews, recording them, which I wish I still had the footage, but I, or not the footage, but the recordings, but I don't anymore. But I would record them and translate them into articles for the magazine. So, you know, when we do question and answers in that, the original NWA magazine, yes, I mean, we truly ask these questions. It isn't just, just oh, well, they're just giving us – no, we, we actually did an interview with them. Um, we worked with Dan Murphy out of PWI Magazine, who was the editor at the time, um, that helped us make that magazine more. So, uh, yes, and I still mark out for guys like – I watched Raymond Rowe um, grow, grow in the independent circuit. I actually designed his DVD cover for his past DVDs at Nick Hogan. I think that's how you name it, Hogan. Nick filmed all the footage and produced it and everything. I just made the DVD artwork and the physical print of the DVD that he sold on Ring of Honor and all that stuff uh, about his accident. So to see guys like him on WWE TV now is just it, – it's, it's great. I mean, I see things like that, and I'm like, I've worked with these people. Mia Yim, um, I'm cutting her out on posters, uh, talking with different fans, stuff like that up there. I'm like, to me, honestly, most of the people – unless I talked to them on social media, probably wouldn't remember who I am if I talked to them in person. But to know that I have actually worked with them in the past before they ever hit fame is just, I mean, it's, it's great. That's, I mean, like I said, it's, that's pretty cool. I kind of envy you, my friend, because it's like, he's already, you know, you have a journalism skill and obviously someone took notice and obviously someone said, Hey, you know, this guy, you know, as an interviewer, but, um, that wrestling background, like I said, it's quite, dude, that's quite an extensive resume. I know I've repeated that like a million times right now throughout the course of the show, but, um, I gotta know because I'm curious. You know, I don't want to pluck away at too many pet peeves of professional wrestling. But when you said earlier that um, I kind of cherry picked while you were speaking, you said I don't want to beat a dead horse of what's wrong. You know, with wrestling, and obviously, no one wants to hear you know complete negative rants, and because we hear we as 
uh, well, I should say we, but majority of us hear that stuff from a lot of other. I wouldn't say the terms that are mean, but I kind of have to. The smarks, they sit around saying stuff like, oh, well, you know, it would be great if they did this angle or they'd be great if they set up the story this way. What do you think are the, are the like, the good and the bad uh, so far in professional wrestling? Like, what stands out to you from all across the board from, like, the mainstream to the independent circuit? Well, obviously, when you hit mainstream, no matter if you come up in it or not, once you hit mainstream, it's a different – it's like a business. It's a different point of view. At mainstream – it's about making the co- – it's just like working for a corporate company, uh, and, you know, working for McDonald's, working for any kind of Fortune 500 company. Your goal is to make that company money, simple. As an independent, your goal is to help that company grow, but that promoter's goal is to get you to the next level any way he can if they're a, a reputable promotion, you know, promoter. Now, there are, you know, shady promoters and all this other and everything like that. You can go on all day for that. But once you hit mainstream, you really need to make that company money. AEW is a great example of a lot of the, not everything. Don't get me wrong. They're not the greatest thing out there. However, there is a lot that they are doing correct. Um, WWE, I really as much as, you know, people talk to you, they are, AEW is a competition. I really don't think WWE sees AEW as a competition anymore. Yes, you've got a second show on there, which is needed for professional wrestling as a whole. The more shows we have on TV, the more shows your professional wrestling is going to get. And as a parent myself, I would rather take somebody to a 10 or $15 local show versus paying $40, $50 to a ticket ticket to go to a show where I may never get to meet anybody. Granted, I'm going to be able to see these people on TV. It's cool to go. But you're paying, it's like small business versus corporate business. So that's the biggest problem I see in wrestling. But like WWE right now, to me, in my opinion only, they have, no matter what they say, Vince is the problem, in my opinion. Great mind. Always will be legendary in my mind with what he's done for the company. I think he has just let his mind and love for the business go due to his, I'm assuming probably due to his age and just he's been in the industry for umpteen million years. I would say that the problem is he has let his pocketbook start talking versus his general mindset. Um, I feel WB could do a full turnaround if they let somebody like Triple H or something take over, which, look at NXT. He's done great. It's not the same thing as Raw. It's not the same thing as SmackDown, but it is great. Now, do I think that's going to fix all every problem? I'm not crazy, no. But I think that you could see fans willing to give it a better chance with some of those issues. Uh, but then you've got the same thing over at AEW. Uh, they've got a lot of good stuff. They have a lot of great unknown talent that are starting to get known due to the TV deal. But I, I'm hoping and praying that I am wrong, which I hope, I, I really truly hope I am. 
but I'm seeing them sign a lot of former names that WWE, WWE helped make names. Now, it's fine to bring in certain people like the Big Show who can't really wrestle too much anymore, help get some of that extra uh, experience in there. You need that. You have to have a wide range of experience for any company. But you don't need to hire him and put them right on TV at the main start. Love Christian. I know he's just trying to wrestle and have fun. I hope they don't put him in any kind of major mainstream line with the main event style. I hope they let him do like Edge was supposed to do and start building before he got hurt the first time and start building the young talent. Like Randy Orton has finally gotten to where I think he is where he's just building young talent on WWE now. I mean, the thing with, okay, so you brought up some valid points about, you know, the interesting problem. And it's funny you mentioned that because I played a clip of sound, an audio bite of uh, John Moxley. He was on another podcast and he said, we don't want, you know, it's, it's fun when it's competition, but it's also fun, you know, when, you know, things are going the way they're going. And he's, he was discussing his earlier stint, you know, with WWE and why he left. And he had mentioned, he goes, just like you, he goes, instead of saying the full name, you know, for disclosure, which I'm going to bring up something after I say this. And my friend called me crazy afterwards. But anyways, long story short, he said, it's great. It's not that there's a problem with the talent or the creative behind it. Uh, but he goes, VKM is the problem. And for those who don't know what VKM stands for, I'm pretty sure most of us do because we have the fucking internet, but Vincent Kennedy McMahon, you know, the guy is an innovator, was creative, but there's one thing that bothered me also on Roddy Piper's biography. And um, he said, you know, we have Super Bowl, we have all this stuff, but they he failed to mention but the innovator behind WrestleMania was Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel was sitting in that creative meeting, God rest his soul, saying, well, the Beatles have Beatlemania. We might as well have WrestleMania. But none of the credit, like the little tidbits like that, I, you know, I'm not going to rant on about. But there is a situation where it's like, okay, let's write, the, like, the, for example, the Alexa Bliss, Bray Wyatt. Why kill a good thing when you know that fans were drawn in by the whole show? Let's have Alexa Bliss have a pentagram on national TV, which was hilarious to me because it's like, wow, the shit that was in the Attitude Era, would, if it were aired now, would have been like, oh, my God, I'm so offended. You posted, you know, a video or had a video uh, footage of Stephanie McMahon getting sacrificed by the corporate ministry. Come to f- it's just certain things and tidbits. Like, well, that was the time back then. This is how is it any different? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I did a show where I went off completely on the creative side of things because it's like you have a genius that used to be in Michael P.S. Hayes. Then you've also got, I don't know if he's still there. I don't know the active writing staff of WWE, and I'm not going to go down the list and guess. But the point is, dude, I did a show, and here's the fun part. 
it got completely destroyed and disintegrated. And my friend goes, oh, you're crazy. WWE had nothing to do with, you know, your show being destroyed. I said, no. But someone probably made a phone call to Blog Talk and said, hey, this guy's calling us out on our shit. Or, you know, I don't like the way that this young man is speaking. Click. There was only four minutes and 54 seconds out of a 59-minute and two-second audio, dude. And I'm sitting here going, wow. You know, censorship is real. Because what I learned... And on that note, um, a lot of people don't realize that WWE watches a lot of these, even indies. Like, um, just a quick note on that. Like, NWA, when we were running uh, NWA Classic, on the back end of stuff, you could see the city and state of where people were watching this stuff and where they were signing up and checking out freebie, you know, the freebies and stuff like that. We never had a sign up, but we had every week that we released a freebie, we always had the same IP address, which I never could track because it was private, but it gave me the city and state. So I'm just going to assume because it could be completely wrong. It could be a coincidence. But out of Stanford, Connecticut, every freaking week on the like on the dot. So I know they watch the stuff, but like Vince himself, I mean Jericho has talked about it before. How you know you got a lot of these guys back in the Attitude Era or the Ruthless Aggression Era that they could sit there and they had great creative. Um, do I think creative team is perfect at WWE? No. However, I do think they have their hands tied a lot more than they used to. Uh, because as a writer, I can say this. I can write all day long. I can have good stuff. But if my boss, in this case, my you know my boss would be Vince McKinney Man. If I'm writing all this good stuff that I think would work, and Vince is shutting it down and making me change an entire show one hour before live TV, there's your problem. Yeah, I I wanted to point this out, dude. Like, it's not just WWE. Like, you mentioned AEW and how they've done some properly. I'm very nitpicky because once upon a time, I've told this story to some people. I have been through the doors of the Performance Center. I have seen not just the Performance Center. I know that has nothing to do with AEW, but it does. At the time, Dustin Runnels was a part of Talent Relations. And, you know, a lot of things did get passed because he was, well, son of a Rhodes. And Rhodes Brothers, you know, they were still there. At the time, you have Sarah Amato, you've got Norman Smiley and all of them. Some people have jumped ship to AEW. AEW, I've given it a fair chance to watch both AEW Dark because some of my guests have appeared now on AEW. I like bragging about that. Somewhat, you know, Dusty Gold from AEW Dark. Uh, let's see here, Spencer Slade, and oh, my personal favorite, uh, Mike Seidel, who is a really cool dude. It's not just about them, but it's the rest of the talent roster that I personally see. I like Chris Jericho. I love his stuff. I never have been opposed to his shit. I never will be opposed to his shit. However, when guys say stuff like, we are going to be homegrown, and we are going to build the talent around our own shit. As Cody Rhodes stated when AEW first started, 
Like I said, I'm, it's, I, I nitpick shit. I like their, I like some of their stuff, but some of their stuff is too not campy. But it's like, what story are we supposed to fucking follow? And two, there's way too many goddamn factions, and they straight up said. Well, we're not going to have that problem. We're not going to have too many cooks in the kitchen. Like, dude, honestly, AEW's a good company. If they would just, like WWE, in a different way, get their shit to fucking together, because some people are like, I can't believe you're saying this shit. AEW's ten times better than WWE. I said, oh, I'm not referring to WWE as, as wrestling whole, because we have a crap ton of stuff to choose from. Like you said, literally, we can turn on our TVs, and look on different networks like Fight and and not just Fight but Hulu and uh, we can look through if we want to watch like the not dead end stuff but the the stuff that's slow and you know methodical and will teach you a little bit of more about their history A and E. But the point I'm trying to get at is I I have I, I say this nicely I have a bone to pick with both WWE and AEW one. You're supposed to be entertaining the masses, right? So give us, to my opinion only, give us a show that's simple, stupid, that we can fucking follow and not one where, okay, one week, you know, Matt Hardy is feuding with uh, Brian Cage, for example. And then the next week, you know, the whole Darby Allen and Sting thing, where Sting, I guess, is supposedly now mentoring him because he loves, Sting is known to help build companies and help build the young talent uh, I just I recognize so many names from NXT, former NXT and the May Young Classic and Rejects from the May Young Classic and they're, this is another thing I'm going to bring up right now about the women's divisions in both WWE and AEW one women's division is already established that in my opinion WWE has that over AEW completely and the main roster, not so much. NXT, yes. AEW, dear Lord, Thunder Rosa and uh, what's her name? Britt Baker. Good job. That's you know that's how you that's a wrestling match that cannot be denied, or wrestling feud, I should say. But to me, if you're going to be consistent, please. You know, stop lying through your teeth. Oh, we don't bash WWE. We don't do that here. Bullshit. They do it very subtly every other fucking week. Well, we're not breaking the fourth wall. Young Bucks t-shirt. Yeah. See, that's that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like that's that's the thing that drives me nuts. Is like, I want to support you guys. I want to support AEW, and I want to straight up say I love your guys' product. But I do have issue and umbrage when it comes to, like, consistency. And Jim Cornette, who you mentioned earlier, said it best. They had a wrestling match with, you know, Jurassic Express or whomever it was, and they were wrestling outside, and somebody gets slammed in the trailer door, and it says, enter, caution, you know, enter, do not enter, you know, enter at your own risk or something like that. He's like, enter at your own risk at this horrible sh- um, attempt of a wrestling show. We know Corny can be very critical, but he does make valid points. You know what I mean? Like, he <laughs> he's very controversial, folks, but we love him. He's very old school. 
However, the premise behind most of his conversations, his comments and criticisms are very substantial. Now, when it comes to today's wrestling versus his, the wrestling that he grew up with and promoted and everything, styles. But at the same time, a storyline, you're telling a story is telling a story. It don't matter what style you write it in. It's going to come off a little differently, but a story is a story. And like you said, don't freaking lie. Let me find a story I can follow. I love AEW, but like you, you know, one, I, I wasn't going to talk about it, but there is so many factions. That's cool if you give us storylines to follow with every faction. Not just, oh, this week we're going to show this faction. This week we're just going to we're going to put together this faction. I'm like, I, I can't even follow it. But WWE has the same problem because why would you break up the Hurt business? Where well, they had a great I mean, storyline going. Well, here's my thing with that, okay? So you have the Hurt business, and being, you know, mixed – was you know African American as myself. I don't look it on my profile, but I am. So let me explain something to that nature. Bobby Lashley is so fucking boring. I'm sorry. Those who like he Bobby is Lashley, so boring. Like he, if you look at his character, yes, he can wrestle. And there's a reason why folks they okay because I have background in wrestling. You have a background in wrestling. We all know that if you can't talk, you're told this in wrestling training. By the way. It doesn't mean we know everything. It doesn't mean, no, we equate to being all-knowing experts about pro wrestling, but the, the meat and potatoes of pro wrestling in general. Like, if you can't talk, that's why MVP was put with Bobby Lashley. And the Hurt Business, look at all the shit that's going on right now with the whole, you know, George Floyd happening last year and Black Lives Matter. Like, motherfuckers, can we not put a nation of domination stamp with a little modern twist. You know, Malcolm X the shit. Bring, you know, bring the whole, you want to call the network to get canceled type shit. I'm sure Vince doesn't want lawsuits, and I'm sure I don't speak for WWE as a whole. But when, you know, they're like, oh, that would work with live arenas. Oh, no. You fucks don't. I mean, look. As in, creatively speaking, look who created uh, Nation of Domination, Mr. Hayes. That had nothing to do with Vince's ability. Vince, Vince thought back in the day, well, we need controversy, we need ratings, because let's think on this, shall we? Bret Hart is a legend, but he was thinking the Titanic that was known as WWF ratings back then. So Nation of Domination, Degeneration X, the Hart Foundation, those are some big-name factions that were back in the day, right? DX did some pretty controversial shit. The Hart business, why it broke up is because... No offense, I mean, you got guys like Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander and a legend, you know, in the making, and still is, MVP. There ain't nobody that can take it, although he did steal from a cruise ship, but we ain't going to hold it. Anyways, <laughs> the, point is, the point is, folks, what I'm getting at in a long-winded way is you cannot sit there and tell me that you want to tune in to the Hurt Business while they have guys that can bore you to fucking tears, while they get on the microphone, hmm, okay, who can talk out of that whole group? Cedric Alexander, maybe, if you bring him back to his independent days. Uh, 
Shelton Benjamin can definitely know the make, uh, the beaten potatoes of a promo, but Bobby Lashley, you put a mic in his hand, uh, uh, it, it's it's one of those moments where you. you pause. Yeah, I'm with you um, for the pretty much most of that. But my thing on like the hurt business thing is one, I'm not gonna knock one bit of MVP on the mic skills or wrestling. I know he can't wrestle the way he used to. You know, he's not exactly a young buck anymore. Um, I was glad to see him come back and then glad to see that he is back. I don't agree with him putting him on Bobby and putting the title on the strap on Bobby, but that's not, I'm not in the position for that. But my thing with like the herd business, I'm like, okay, I see why you're doing it, Vince, because you have been known to do things like this. Um, originally, from my understanding, it was supposed to be a new age nation of domination. Then the world went fucking nuts all of a sudden. Don't get me wrong. The issues that happened happened and they weren't, they weren't supposed to, but it also got blown out on everywhere. Not just, not just the issues, but it got pulled into like everything that had nothing to do with it. Um, sometimes. And then WWE being Vince McMahon that he is, how many times do you see something nationally known that shows up on TV the next week? Um, how many stereotypical gimmicks have there been? So I'm like, okay, I, I see it. It made it at least halfway decent. There was a consistent story. And back to the storyline. Whether we liked it or not, or agreed with the talking, there was a consistent storyline you could follow every damn week. So I'm like, okay, they break them up. I'm fine with breaking up factions, especially the way – not the way they did it, but they were at least hinting at a Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin issue that now I'm like, what the hell happened to that? Because you just kind of dropped it like a bad habit, kind of like Revolution, and now you have T-Bar and Mace that I haven't even figured out what the fuck is going on with that. Great wrestlers independently don't know what's going on on national TV other than them collecting a fat paycheck, um, which I'm not going to knock the guys one bit for that because you're going to pay me to do a job whether I like it or not. I'm going to do it. However, when my contract's up, I may look elsewhere. Well, I think it's smart. Now, you know, it's sad that they did. They turned in Donovan, like Dijakovic. They moved Mia Yim back yeah. to NXT, which I think, you know, as I follow, they're like, we mainly just follow WWE. I get that comment all the time. Look, guys, I am sick and tired of, you know, having to keep up with, all that they're like, well, you shouldn't be tired of keeping up with professional wrestling. Do you know how tiresome it gets as a podcast host to read every single result from every single wrestling show? It gets tiresome. Oh, yeah. So, to me, like, when people make the comments, well, I can't stand Sasha Banks, it's like, okay, well, you know what? I would much rather, you know, when people made the comment, well, she sped up into this heel role. Well, what the fuck do you expect, people? It's near WrestleMania. You knew they were going to do that with Bianca Belair. Although, which this bugs the fuck out of me when they do this. When they pulled, okay, my trainer basically told me the same thing. Asuka does not need to prove her worth by keeping the championship on her waist. She's already... NXT, she was dominant. So they pull Rhea Ripley up, and they're like, but Oscar lost at WrestleMania. It's not like the whole Charlotte Flair thing. I was 
I was happy with the match, but I was not happy with the result. There's a, you know, as a former worker, I look at it from both sides, fan and worker perspective, because the problem now that a lot of fans have is they think because they use, some of them think, not all of them, because they use terminologies that that makes them all-knowing experts like, oh, you know, I appreciate the promo or the storyline or this angle or that angle. Did you know what Meltzer said? Um, you know, it's like another thing. I'm going to ask you this question. When you ever, whenever you watch professional wrestling, you hear somebody mention a spoiler. To me, that's a slap in the face to all workers because it's like, okay, if you already think you know what's going to happen, then why are you here? Why are you sitting here? To me, on that aspect, I, I I don't really have a word for it, but I call it the the Mick Foley effect. Um, ah. I, I say the Mick Foley effect because of the famous WCW outing, Mick Foley getting the title, or Mankind getting the title, and everybody switching over. People now, wrestling fans, I mean, as far back as the least – social media, internet-wise, things like that, uh, even us growing up, fans like to think they know more than they really do. However, I will say that with a caveat. They like to think they know a lot more than they really do. The problem with today is social media, everything's right at your fingertips. It's a lot easier for them to know more than they should. Yeah, that, that aggravates me when they think they know a lot more than what's going on than what's really going on. But that also make, then turns into making creative jobs harder because then you're at a point of, okay, somebody leaked this, is going to happen. Do I keep this up or do I change it? My opinion, unfortunately, is just keep it the same because if you change it, I'm not going to know how the hell to follow it. True. But it's one of those I'm like – when kayfabe died, it became a huge problem. Kudos to WWE to figure out how to keep going during that down period. And kudos to everybody on that. I do personally like the idea of kayfabe, keeping some things a secret. Um, kind of like this. That's why I think, in my opinion, there will never, ever be another uh, Undertaker. Not just a character, sure. but the style of a 30-year career as the same character. For the simple fact of, you know, Undertaker was able to not only revamp his character, but 90 up until, what, the last year and a half, two years, maybe a little bit earlier than that, but not, up until recently, you could not get an interview with The Undertaker. If you did, it was a standard, gimmick, in-character, kayfabe dinner. When he was not, with the occasional of a couple of hanging out with the boys, usually internet was not as prevalent back then, obviously, and pictures were harder. But Taker stayed in character 90% of the time, anytime there was anybody, fans, anybody around. You can't do that anymore. That's why I'm a firm believer in characters like that are just not going to be as believable. Don't get me wrong. I like the Fiend character of what it used to be. Mm. Not a huge fan of what it is now, 
it could be saved. Don't think it will be, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I agree with the Undertaker comment because the evolution of a character is so hard to come by. Especially seeing as how they kill off your character. They, the only one that's you know making an attempt at that run, I believe, would be Bray Wyatt. I mean, that's the only guy that has evolved, and then his character has been worked. And most people are like, oh, they're they're you know they're pulling his teeth. And it's like, well, dudes, if you're getting paid a certain salary, and like you said earlier, if you're paying me to do this, might as well because. As long as I can remember, since Bray Wyatt has been inceptual, you know, conceptualized in WWE, okay, Husky Harris, yikes, and then they transposed <laughs> him, they transposed his character into Bray Wyatt, and then they gave him the Wyatt family, then those guys disbanded, and one of them, God rest your soul, um, Brody Lee, um, I just, for me, and my personal take on Bray Wyatt is, he's a character that's very underrated and has not been used to his full potential. I wouldn't say used properly because that term amongst my peers, well, you don't, I'm like, look, and this is a mistake workers make too. Thinking, you know, our way is the only way of thinking. So therefore, if a fan says something, they must be know-it-alls or a bunch of smarks. Well, Considering I'm a former worker and I've been, like I said, I've been through the Hallowed Halls, the, the original NXT, um, I can tell you that after looking through Bray's stuff, it's like, wow, you know, he's not a bad worker. And he actually, the amount of, like, before the pandemic, and you see all the cell phones in the crowd, and you see the reaction that he gets from the audience, that's very similar to the Undertaker, not to the, uh, well, certain towns will chant his name, and people do get sick of the heroes, and unfortunately, we're living in the era where everybody loves the heel. Is that a problem? No, but in, in the sense that his character is evolved, even though it's slightly evolved type stuff, um, I gotta point this out, folks. When you watch Bray Wyatt's expanded career versus Randy Orton's expanded career, Randy Orton is the same person. Bray Wyatt is not the same character. Do you know why? They turned him into six sadistic serial killer personality like Charles Manson almost. You know, with the Wyatt, like the Wyatt Funhouse is the best analogy I can use. He didn't go killing on a killing spree, but... Come on, folks. I mean, the theme of Charles Manson kind of keeps creeping up each time they had followers. Okay? Who also had followers? Manson. Um, you know, the gimmick where he had guys, like, beat the fuck out of other guys on live television. Is that not, you know, it's kind of... I also equated his character to Kevin Sullivan at one point when Kevin Sullivan was... You know, we're you know doing devil worship on live TV, mm-hmm. like and saying Abba Jabba and random shit that didn't even have anything to do with the devil. But this, if you want to talk about evolution of character, Sting is another one. He, yeah, he changed face paint and he changed like from Surfer Sting to um, Crow Sting, like you know uh, Brandon Michael, whatever. The guys like Ric Flair, I. 
he's still the same guy, but he evolved like how where he stood and what faction he, you know, just fell into perfectly. Um, another one, Rey Mysterio did evolve a little bit, but I wouldn't say to the point where it's like, okay, cool, you evolved. He you know, went from mask to no mask in WCW, which, dear Lord, he looked like a rat without his mask. Sorry, Ray. <laughs> He did. He did. Yeah. Um, Kevin Nash is another one, but it's funny. He went from uh, forget Vegas Vinny to Oz, Oz to Vegas Vinny, and before that, it was just like a a bouncer at a bar. But I watched the Shawn My- or Shawn Michaels, uh, the Dudes with Attitudes documentary, and he literally said, "I you know God love Dusty Rhodes," but he goes, "My God, man." Because my character was just like such. He goes, it wasn't over with the crowd. He goes, this big guy, and I. He goes, all you do is add a mohawk to a guy, and you give him another pegging partner. Where she goes, I watched him do a headbutt. He missed him by like five feet. But the the point of all this rambling is so it's this evolution of characters. Like okay, Scott Hall, from his days in AWA to Razor Ramon, from Razor Ramon to his actual, you know, Scott Hall. Like, you know, it's difficult. Okay, Diamond Dallas Page, the man who started his career at 35 years old. You don't, what Will and I are trying to convey to you all, to those of you listening, is evolution of wrestling characters is seldom. It's it's a rarity to see someone evolve. And in my personal opinion, I think the two workers that, really have evolved their style let's see here not just style but just character wise um, that would be in my opinion the only one working right now um, no Chris Jericho maybe Chris Jericho's evolved his Jericho his stuff. has like, definitely evolved his character Jericho's definitely evolved his character from his days when he started out at 16 by the way folks 16 years old um, if he was still around, Roddy Piper, I mean, he was, you know, uh, that, you know, it's funny because when I was watching the bio earlier, it said Roddy the Piper. Imagine, Roddy the Piper at WrestleMania 1, folks. I mean, the evolution of Roddy Piper's given, yes, he wore a kilt, but did he play bagpipes the whole time? No. In WCW, he was more of a rough and tough before Moxley was around, you had Jake the Snake. Did he evolve his gimmick? Eh, that depends. Depending who you ask. Hogan evolved. Another one that's con- that it might be controversial is John Cena. Whether you liked the yeah, guy, but- you didn't like the guy, he was able to keep the fans either loving him or hating him. It don't matter. He kept the fans reacting. And that's what matters well the other thing that just made me laugh was okay so people will sit there and comment you know on message boards and all these real wrestling like cult of kayfabe wrestlers and fans it's it's kind of funny to see the exchange a both fan and worker, and some of it's lighthearted, and some of it's, you know, annoying as all get out, because it's like, guys, why are we, and this is my, I'm going to ask you this next question, 
Do you think the drama on social media kind of hinders the love of professional wrestling for some people? Because I kind of, I just, I used to want to comment all the time when I would see a fan comment or a worker comment. And it just drove me batshit bonkers to see people just hoard their opinion over someone else's. And it's just like, you know, we're all alike, whether you like to admit it or not, not thought wise, but we all love this thing. You know, this sport called professional wrestling, this Ragnarok, because if we didn't love it, why would we comment? Why would we share things? Why would we say, hey, you know, get this autograph, you know, or hey, you know, look at this cool picture. And then like 15 days later, oh, I hate the son of a bitch. You know, he was, you know, he was extremely rude, blah, blah, blah. It's like, whoa. I used to work up on some of the comments, whether it be wrestlers, fans, like whatever. Then I sat down and I looked at it from a, I hate to put this way, business, not the business, but a business side of things. And I looked at it and I'm like, I got to the point, just like with my comics and stuff like that, I'm the same one. I haven't seen any yet, but I know they'll be there. It's one of those reviews as an author. You look at them, you know you're going to get bad reviews. To me... I don't care whether you liked it, you didn't like it. Guess what? You watched it. You commented. My job is done because I made you react. And it, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, I used to get worked up too about certain things yeah. when it came to professional wrestling, and I always said, "Well, what you know? What what's the deal? Why is everybody getting so worked up about this one angle?" And I just would, you know, people. Some people like to draw people other in with drama, and you know, and no matter if it's wrestling or if it's uh, football or baseball, there's always going to be the GM or the couch GMs or the I hate this thing, but keyboard warriors, the ones like you said that make comments about John Cena being the death of wrestling. It's like, look, no, the death of wrestling. I don't think it'll ever die, and I may be a nutbag for saying that, but. I don't know if it'll ever die. I think that, honestly, in my opinion, wrestling is hot, and this is a controversial statement sometimes, maybe not in the terms of ratings, but wrestling is hotter now than it has been in a long time, including Monday Night Wars. Yeah, the it's because the Monday not Night Wars ratings, will... But wrestling in general. Yes. And, you know, some people say to themselves, well, I know this is what I like in wrestling. And I always tell people when they ask me, you know, what was it like being involved? You know, even if you were just an extra on a show, that was my claim to saying, and I'm sure with the other hundreds of suckers that can sit there and say, well, I was an extra too in Ring of Honor. I was an extra too in WWE. It becomes a fucking dick-pissing contest sometimes, as Jim Cornette says. It becomes one big fucking dick-pissing contest, whether you're a fan, a worker, a writer, you know, a creative, or um, whatever you do. It becomes, well, I did this too, and I did this three. And it's like, can we please, during a conversation, just at least listen to what someone has to say? Because one of my friends was saying, well – 
you know, what does this guy do for a living? I said, I don't know, but he's, you know, probably a decent writer. You know, he's going to, his comics and stuff, I'll take a look. This was before the show. And I said, Mm -hmm. he's probably one of those, you know, guys that's got a humble attitude and has got an open mind and will, you know, be a great guest. And my, my friend goes, how do you gauge your guest? I said, dude, I just do shit on the fly. If they ask me to prepare questions for them, I that's I normally do. But when it comes, anyways, I'm getting off the beaten path here. When it comes to professional wrestling in general, you are correct. It's the hottest subject among wrestling, well, wrestling fans who are still interested. You know, because what else do we have to look at reality? Every time you turn on the news, it's something about okay, well, this scientific breakthrough happened and this person got found and this person is an entrepreneur or this, you know, this about the vaccinations, here's another shit about George Floyd and this about Breonna Taylor. Like, look, (laughs) we as wrestling fans need a fucking break mentally. So the way I look at wrestling is obviously different, you know, from you or, or anyone else. And I agree with you, dude. It's a hot subject because... Who else is going to sit there amongst each other and say, hey, you know, did you see that match? The minute you say that and other wrestling fans are in the vicinity, oh, it's like the heavenly, like the hallelujah chorus starts playing in my brain. (laughs) Yes, I agree. And I look at it like this. My wife is not a wrestling fan at all. She just, she doesn't understand it. Like, then she'll tell me that. She goes, I don't understand it. Uh, She took my son and I to a uh, independent show before Corona. It was in Springfield, Missouri. And she laughed a little bit, but she didn't understand it. I mean, she did get hit like with a pancake, but that was besides the fact. Um, but she just, she did not understand wrestling. She still doesn't. But I look at her and, I, and she lets me enjoy it. And it's one of those, I look at her and I was like, it's just like a movie. It's just like, you know, a TV show that you watch all the time. She watches, um, like, 90 Day Fiance and some other stuff. I'm like, just like that. I don't necessarily understand that, but it entertains you. This is, this is my form of entertainment. And there's people out there that they try to take wrestling. There's hardcore fans, and then there's fans out there that just try to destroy it. And I'm like, if you're a fan, it doesn't matter whether you're hardcore or occasional. You're a fan, just enjoy it. You may not like, you don't like the same people I like. Um, I'm probably expecting to make a comment that might piss off some of your viewers. They may not. To me, Hulk Hogan couldn't wrestle to save his fucking life. But the dude could put asses in seats and sell merchandise. And on a business side of you, um, running a promotion, things like that, if you got a guy like that, you hog it for all you can. And they did. Yeah, it's the same thing that I tell people. Like, I used to get so worked up about John Cena. It's like, well, you know, it may be different for what we believe is professional wrestling, but it also, at this point, you know, what are you going to do? The guy wants to be the best in the business. We're going to fault someone for following whatever, you know, your dream is or whatever the fuck, you know. It's like, okay, well... Here's what I'm going to say about 
the whole John Cena Hogan theorem. Yes, they are horrible people as professionals. But, you know, they're not professionals, but people outside the locker room or in their locker room that shared it with them. You know, Hockey can tell you stories about Hogan, and I'm pretty sure others can tell you horror stories about <laughs> Cena. But when we when we reach that point as professionals, I've heard some guys are not going to name names that I know of as a person, you know, personal friends with them can tell me every single thing that attributed to John Cena's fame and how, you know, if you weren't a part of this and you were either against or with him, it's like, look, guys, I appreciate the concerns. I really do. But I'm going to steal a line from good old Shawn Michaels if you're the one constantly complaining about the goddamn shit, then you're the problem. Because if you're not the one making the dime, you know, Scott Hall, as he would say, he goes, oh, you know, you want to wrestle? He goes, you don't go get in this business to just be in the middle. He's like, oh, you want to go to dinner with me? Oh, you want to wrestle me? That's a different story. Like... I love how him and Kevin Nash make valid points. Even though people think, oh, you know, Kevin Nash is a shitbag. Well, you know, as Cornette said, I love Shawn Michaels. He's one of my favorite workers of all time. I'm going to be coming out of the closet with that. (laughs) But as he said, you know, Shawn Michaels, the prick, and Kevin Nash, he, you know, he got heat for being with him. Does that mean he's a bad wrestler? No, he learned from Sean. You learn from guys like John Cena. Even if he had been titled as the five moves of doom, as one of my trainers said, so what if he has five moves of doom? One of the first things I learned in this business was, okay, cool. I've got a moveset where I know my, I know my shine, I know my heat, I know my comeback. If I'm, well, not a comeback as a heel, but I know my heat – I know how to make the baby face look good, and I know how to take care of him, and I know if I'm you know, the veteran, I'm not greener than goose shit, I call the match. If I'm the fucking baby face like John Cena, you give the Ricky Morton or whatever the fuck that look of empathy, help me, help me, look in the crowd, you know. You got to understand something. If people complain about the big names, it's only because – of their prior experiences from behind the fucking curtain. That's what I've learned uh, being involved in the wrestling business since 2008. Okay. I think that if people were to understand the whole gist of, well, Hogan was this and Hogan was that. So the fuck what? You can't deny the, that he is the Babe Ruth of ba- uh, not baseball, football, <laughs> football, wrestling. Sorry. Pardon my French folks. I'm a bit tired from work, but you get my just John Cena, people have compared him to Hogan. I don't fucking think so. One of them was willing to turn the corner and say, you know what? I've been a good guy for the longest fucking time. It's time I you know, I need this for my career or else I'm going to sink like a fucking submarine, you know, in World War One and World War Two. Hogan was willing. Cena, so what if he fucking – this irritates me. Why? Why would you turn the only baby face of the company fucking heel? Because he needed it. He needed it for a career. Okay, yeah. Well, then lose ratings from the Karens and fucking Carls and Steves that tune into the network only to fucking email Vince later and say, hey, 
Why did he do this? Why did he say this? If people forget, he was a heel for just a brief second. Yeah. Oh no, we forget. We forget 2004. Oh no. He he was a heel, and then it didn't work out, so they changed him back real quick. And that's the thing is, like, you look at guys like him or like Roman Reigns right now. He catches. Don't get me wrong. We can go on and on about that, the new age wrestling, stuff like that. He catches a lot of shit. At the time that they needed him to step up, he got thrown into the spotlight, um, probably because of his family origin, and the fans did not like it. However, when he came back, I think them turning him hill is the best thing they could ever done for his career. And people like all the time, oh, we should have left him, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're never going to please everybody, but guess what? You're talking about him. You are hating him on TV. Social media is hating everything he does. He's a freaking hill. Let you hate him. That's his job. Look the at thing, Midnight the Express in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, they, that's got, what I'm saying, like, they had to get police escorts to get out. <laughs> well, dude, the funny thing is people bitch about Roman. The same thing you fuckers bitch about John Cena. Like, who – the mm-hmm. only difference is, okay, the, the only – in my opinion, like, if I'm looking at it from if I was Roman or if I look at it from I was a fan, yes, he finally gets a new interest theme, and y'all bitch about that. It's like, is there – like you said earlier, it's hard to appeal to the modern-day fan who will say – like one of my friends said, well, my friends are canceling Peacock and, you know, they're doing this, that, the other. I was like, well, you know, sucks to be them because once, you know, a certain someone, I don't know, seems like Vince is going to live till he's like 120. I don't know. The fucker has some kind of stuff in his drink. I love the it's man. It's him and Rick Flair. They're, sure, they're drinking the same Kool-Aid. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How can Rick Flair survive the same plane that, you know, Actually, I don't know if he was on the same plane as TA or Magnum TA, but by God, you know, Rick survived a car wreck and he survived the bar fights that involved him getting stabbed. They must be getting their stuff from Keith Richards. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like that. Um, but you know, I, I always say the same thing. You guys complain, but if you were getting paid. A certain amount on the fucking payroll Because these are the same guys that I Happen to grace the class with And be like okay well I know I don't know Know them personally but I walked through the same doors As them the same time as they fucking went through And said hey I want to be a part Of this thing called NXT Yeah he didn't have a great career in NXT either Folks if you fucking remember The shield was created by who Um we chant his name all the fucking time in, his, in the arenas. Doesn't matter if he's coming back and he finally came back. And they, it's ironic that they actually fucking killed the show, uh, you know. And then they brought it back, and they, I don't know if they're gonna kill it again. But CM Punk, let's let's you know, let's drag the, the cat out of the fucking proverbial bag, folks. You can't have. I'm gonna compare and contrast Roman to him. Yes, what? Some of you who are loving CM Punk, you know, now because he's not there anymore, hated him because, oh, I can't believe they're letting this guy on TV. Oh, I can't believe they're giving him promo time. Oh, I can't believe they're giving him a title shot. Like, dudes, like, 
seriously understand wrestling. It's hard to, but Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman was fucking genius. Because why? Roman can do not do the same thing last well. He can kind of talk, but not as good as Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is the is the epitome. So Roman reminds me of his I think it would be his uncle. Yoko, when it comes yeah. to the mic. He his uh Rikishi could talk. Roman he can hold his own with this new slow hill style talking. But you left him in a baby face, I don't think he could talk uh, his way out of a paperback. The only time that he ever talked his way out of that proverbial paper bag was when there was a fan and he was just constantly heckling Roman. And Roman finally just turned around and this is the only time you can get involved with fans like this. He goes, yeah, well, you know, maybe if you stopped drinking beer and started paying more attention to your girlfriend like she's paying attention to me and, you know, and have washboard abs like me, maybe you might actually be worth something. I died laughing because... Some people say he can't diss people, but that must be a fellow Gemini thing because I'm born on the same day as him, just to point out a Marky Mark type thing. But, but it's a Gemini thing to fucking tell people like, okay, you don't like us? Fuck you. We don't give a fuck. It's the Tupac mentality that Roman Reigns is carrying around. I love it because like Stone Cold Steve Austin endorsed him. So you know if a legend or two or three or four or more – are not critiquing your heel, but they're saying, man, I actually enjoy what you're doing right now. Just keep it up. And I think <laughs> no matter what the fans say, the fans that wanted him, turn, they, they turned on him before he turned heel, which is okay. You know, Vince was like, Vince or whoever creative at the time saw something in him to make him a future face of the company. Because the or in a company, they don't really have a lot of future faces that are going to be longevity, that are going to be known. Well, his family helps with that, obviously, the family name and stuff like that. But you, your name could be all day long, and you have to carry your own weight. If you can't, well, then good luck. But So I, I think that the way that they turned him after the issue, um, and they let him come back as a hill, like you said, putting with Paul Pittman was freaking genius. No matter, we won't get started on Brock Lesnar, but putting him, you know, putting him with Paul Heyman, especially after that uh, feud and everything, pure genius. But at the same time, I hope, you know, I hope they see this because there's certain characters, no matter what, you've been in the industry, there are certain people who can play faces. They can't, they suck as a hill. Or the fans just do not want to see them as a hill and won't let it work. Sting was one. No matter how much you tried to turn him hill, the fans rejected it every freaking time. There was hill tendencies, but the fans rejected a major hill thing, with the exception of his surfer sting style. That was a different era of wrestling, in my opinion. But his normal sting, today's sting, the fans didn't allow it. Stone Cold, when he became Stone Cold, he became the anti-authority. You could not turn him hill no matter what you tried to do. But then there's other people that hill, they're better hills than their faces all day long. I think Roman is one of those ones that you might let him be face. They can possibly do it, but he's going to be a hill nonstop. 
Roman Reigns, or not Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins is a guy like Shawn Michaels. He can play both sides of the fence. He's a better heel, but he can play both sides. The thing with Seth, though, I think, you know, he's hinted at I'm bored, give me, you know, a challenge. It's like, yeah. you know what? Well, I think this is a good idea. They've tinkered with this idea, creatively speaking. But then this is what also pisses me off because I've heard, like I said, I can't say out loud. They're like, well, you like you don't know. I said, dude, I'm friends with some of these people. Not, I'm not going to name names, but some have said that another thing that has circled around is people bitch about, you know, why did Nakamura not face Roman? Well, because a certain somebody, you know, may have gone to the back, and he's like, I never complain about Nakamura bullshit. When you look at WrestleMania's main event for WrestleMania 37, which, okay, the triple threat match between Edge, Roman, and Daniel Bryan, you think, okay, well, there's a perfect contrast in that match. There was. They had the three elements they needed. However, folks, there's one problem. If you look back into the stories of SmackDown Live when Nakamura was getting white hot, and he always does this. He starts off slow in his career, and then when you keep him in the company three, four, five years, there starts to be a tidal wave of, you know, is he the guy to be the champion? And this is annoying to me. Well, he doesn't speak English, so you know it's going to be hard for fans to understand him. Dude, he spoke perfectly fine fucking English when he faced off with AJ Styles. You know, I was there for that debauchery. At WrestleMania 34, and it pissed me the fuck off because it's like, well, he won the Royal Rumble. Why isn't he getting a fair shake? Like, oh, I don't know. Shawn Michaels twice, Stone Cold twice, or three. Actually, yeah, he's. I'm comparing and contrasting because this bothers me. I've seen his, not just his stuff in Japan, I have seen Nakamura evolve. And when he got to that level with Roman, I don't know whose decision it was, but this bugs the fuck out of me because it's like, man, I've seen guys like Cesaro now. They're it's like they're purposely, uh, you know, shaping this mold of well, this is these are the guys that we will have already in you know succession. These are the guys we have wanted. It's sad. It's sad, you know, that the, your statement is true. I'm going to use this as a disclosure. And we are going to wrap things up, folks, in about five minutes with Will. If you have any questions, be sure to message me, and I will have Will try to answer as fast as quickly as he can. But if you don't, it's cool. I have five questions. I can only read one of them. So one of those qu- the questions are, like, if you had to do a Q&A and your choices with a Q&A would be, Oh, wow, this is an extensive list of commentators. Okay. Mauro Ranello, who I haven't heard from in a while. Uh, let's see, who else? Why did you put Michael Cole's name down? Dear Lord. Okay, <laughs> Michael Cole, Mauro Ranello. Who else, sir? Please do not shame in asking questions. Oh, thank God. Okay. Jim Ross, Mauro Ranello. Tony Schiavone, Michael Cole, unfortunately. 
I sorry, so that name kind of drives me batshit bonkers, and I'll explain later. But uh, oh, Nigel McGinnis, good, good boy, you redeemed yourself. Um, who else? Oh, Aiden English. How nice. And you can tell by the excitement in my voice. Aiden's not a bad dude, but let me ask Will that question. If you had to do a Q&A to like a WrestleCon or uh, any kind of convention or like a book signing, uh, and you had a dual partner that uh, decided to be like your, um, I guess, alongside, you'd be alongside them. If you had to pick at least uh, one or two people from that odd list I just got, um, who would you choose and why? Out of that particular list, I would have to obviously go with JR just because, one, his vast experience in wrestling, period. Um, the man is a living legend on, as a commentator. However, um, <laughs> why would you say Michael Cole? Um don't get me wrong. I mean, it could be a lot worse. I mean, yeah, it could be a lot worse. I would definitely say Jr. personally. Um, I was – it's not mentioned a lot. I, as a person, the dude is hilarious uh, to me. He comes across as a prick. I actually thoroughly enjoy Tony Schiavone on the, uh, as a commentator and things like that. Um, that would be my, I know that wasn't on the list, but that would be my go-to to people. Um, I personally enjoy Tony Schiavone and I love JR. Don't get me wrong. It's a weird combination to hear on AEW and stuff like that. But I, I like those two personally, just because of their extensive knowledge on wrestling, his, wrestling history, and then just the way they've been in the business, um, the what they've done. So that that would be who I would choose. But out of his list, I'm only going to choose um, Jr. There's nothing wrong with Nigel Guinness. I like him. I just I don't know. I mean, I know who he is. I've ne- I've done some research on him, but I haven't followed his career pre commentary too much. Um, I know who he was. I know he's a good wrestler, and I but I don't know enough about him to say that I would I want him to commentate my stuff. Well, um, just a little background on him. Like, okay, so uh, Nigel was originally supposed to be slotted to be in, you know, NXT. But then, like, they, you know, did a blood test like they do for wrestling licenses. Mm -hmm. And he came back as Hep C. So the devastating thing was the one thing that he had worked his ass off for he now couldn't do. So then they asked him, you know, what let's try you out on commentating. And then it kind of, he's kind of a flip flopper back and like, he's a, he's a heel color commentator for NXT UK. Um, very humble, very fun loving dude. He's kind of like the, uh, other version of Corey Graves. If you can kind of, well, at least he knows how to keep his, sorry, I'm not going to get personal, but to wrap this up, I mean, Will, is there any, uh, Shout-outs that you'd like to give to the audience while we're still on live air with you? Um, y'all can always, if you got questions, just in general, uh, Brian's got my personal Facebook. You can message me there. 
You can find me on my Facebook at Hill Turn Comic, uh, Instagram, Hill Turn Comic, or Twitter, it's just Charity Comic because I messed up when I made my Twitter name. Um, you can keep on asking me there. You can tweet me, um, and I'll respond the best I can on there. I've, like I said, I've done a lot in wrestling without ever being main, you know, so to speak, mainstream. Um, I've, I've gotten so many names that I've hung out with. And, um, I mean, getting to hang out with AJ Styles after an independent show was cool. Um, I didn't realize how much of a true Southern boy he was until that moment in time. But um, shout outs to just anybody that's a wrestling fan. Um, you've probably seen my work if you followed independent wrestling, especially in the Southern areas. Uh, in the past, it's just been a while. But, yeah, find me on uh, social media, message me, follow us. Uh, like I said, you may see some real – well, I can I can tell you, you will see some real uh, wrestlers in the future comics. Um, I've got some different people that you may or may not know of as independents. And then there's some few rewards, so just stay tuned and kind of keep an eye out on everything. If you haven't, subscribe to our – mailing list, get your free comic out of there, subscribe to our notify our Kickstarter. When we go live, I'll probably be back on Brian's show sometime. Um, we'll just go ahead and, you know, you can back it and anything, get different reward levels, all sorts of stuff. And folks, be sure you check out his comic because it is well written. The art actually brings Will's words to life. And let's see here, Kickstarter Heel Comics. Let's see here, Kickstarter.HeelTurnComics.com. There we go. Kind of a tongue twister for me. I was trying to grab one of my phones. And the from my background phone. story. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The background story <laughs> on Number Zero, which is the free comic you get, that is actually in the world of Ethan. That was actually his very first human kill. Now, you'll see throughout the series of flashbacks of different kills that he's done and different stuff like that. But the free five-page comic you get, you see a young Ethan and his very first true human kill. And you see the sadistic side that he is. So there's not a lot of wrestling in it. There is a wrestling at the end that kind of pays homage to it a little bit. But you definitely get to see the style of character that he is, my style of writing, the style of art. And then look at our Facebook pages. I post parts of our art on a time. Um, I post exclusive sketches and stuff to our mailing list. So if you like art, it's definitely something to look out for. Um, I will have custom trading cards uh, when I do the Kickstarter as rewards. So if you're a fan of wrestling, you know, everybody likes custom trading cards. I'm going to have some of the characters and – you know, I hope to have y'all support me. All right, Will. We thank you for being here on Wrestle Radio Network, sir. And I'd love to have you on again because this was, like, very therapeutic for me. And what else was I going to say? If you want to download the episode post with Will and I and other future episodes of Wrestle Radio Network, you can do so by downloading them for free on iTunes. Levi and... Oh, yes, I'm also found at home for Off the Rails Uncensored on Podbean, which can be the reprise on Thursdays 
after Wednesdays. So, Will, thank you, dude, for being on my show. I hope to hear from you soon, and I cannot wait for your comic book release. That's going to be amazing. June 26th, the Kickstarter will go live. That's going to be badass. Yo, check him out. His stuff is legit awesome. I'm not trying to use too much modern lingo, folks, but he got to go. Thank you, Will, so much. Um, appreciate you being on the show, and we hope to hopefully maybe in June, maybe after your release. We might be busy, dude, but hit me up, and we'll definitely uh, schedule another showtime, all right? Oh, yeah, no problem. I might try to see if I can get um, my artist on with us the next time that we can go over some of his thought process on drawing my words. Oh, dude, that would be awesome because I'm a fellow – I love drawing as well, and I'm not the magnitude of your artist. But that would be epic to have him on the show with you. Thank you, Will, for being on uh, Wrestle Radio Network, and um, we'll, I'll send you the link tomorrow from the show, dude. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Will Peden, and he will possibly join us again. But for those of you who have known this portion of the show, it might be short, it might be sweet, or it might be chaotic, and there's more F-bombs than fucking D-Day. The following content of Off the Rails Uncensored is, has contains expletive language, not suitable for minors under the age of 18. If they do repeat any of this shit, well, then I feel sorry for their school principals and their teachers. They... You know you're the reason why they got detention or they're the reason they got... You know what? Monkeys in the truck? Oh, yeah. Off the Rails and Censored is a trademark podcast that was coined and phrased Off the Rails Uncensored in 2000, March 7, 2016. It's been running for five years' time. Any reproduction or likeness or similar titles of Off the Rails Uncensored, you will be fined $45 and it will go directly into my account. So thank you for that. Anyways, enough of the semantics. Let's get to the goodies, shall we? Monkeys in the truck, hit my music. Of negativity, but I'm going to see what happened tonight. So let's get to it, shall we? A live recap of WWE Raw. Okay, then. All right. Wait a minute. Uh-huh. McIntyre lays out Lashley and Strowman. Wait, I forgot there's backlash this Sunday. Is it? And then, yeah, for sure. And uh, <laughs> Lashley defeats Strowman via pencil. What in the fuck? So, is this the main event? Is it? Is it? Uh, I don't know. Raw Tag Team Championship. Almost and AJ Styles beat the New Day in pinfall to retain the titles. It says Xavier Woods with a phenomenal four. I saw that part. 
Uh, let's see here. Vignette aired announcing Eva Marie. Oh, God. You know what? Who knows? Maybe she improved. Maybe she improved. Eva Marie's return to WWE. Oh, boy. Charlotte Flair beat Dana Brooke via submission. So, with the figure eight after the match, Mandy Rose kicked Flair when she didn't break the hold. This drew up Sonya Deville, who agreed to add Flair to the Raw Women's Championship match. Wait, is, is Sonya Deville some kind of GM? I'm kind of lost here. Sheamus defeats Mansoor via disqualification. So, after Humberto Carrillo ran in, Sheamus attacked Carrillo during a backstage interview. I saw some of that. Damian Priest beat John Morrison via pinfall. Kevin. Miz tried to interfere and help Morrison, but ended up causing the refugee. Is Bad Bunny still there? Hopefully not. Lucha House Party beat Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. How'd this happen? So Grandma Talik hit Benjamin with a rope walk elbow, which is a pretty cool move, dude. And then Alexander then said their team was done. Angel Garza defeat Drew Gulak via pinfall. Uh, the wing clipper. So Randy Orton and Riddle. Wait, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle are tag team? Where have I been? Elias and Jackson Riker via pinfall. Okay, so they actually had Matt. They actually, the one night that I watch half of Raw's matches, wow. Alexa Bliss discussed Lily and Alexa Bliss Playground, okay. But she wasn't ready to reveal who. Women's Tag Team Championship, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler beat Lana and Naomi via submission to retain the title. So Reginald ran interference to help turn the tide and set up Baszler to lock in the Kirafuda Clutch? Kirafuda Clutch, sorry. Um, okay. So, Raw didn't have very many promos. They only had maybe a few features with, you know, one interview with Seamus. They listened. They listened. And it was oh so glorious. So tonight, I'm going to stick with one thing and one thing only and that is my concern I wonder if the ratings will go up after what I just read not on my show but I mean you get what I'm saying folks there's a turning point there's a turning point no so tonight's Raw featured matches and also featured maybe one or two okay one vignette and one interview that's an improvement for a three-hour show. And, um, you know, let's see here. Ah, yes. If we take a look at what happened tonight and we say to ourselves, was that an improvement for WWE Raw? Was Was that a step forward for them? Yes. Surprisingly, yes. Finally, they turned the corner for now. So I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to wait for this raw to turn sour, but I know eventually it will be too late. Sorry. I happen to see Dawson's Creek pop up on an advertisement. So, tonight, raw emanated, you know, from the... Um, Tropicana, the Thunderdome, if you will. Because they still do not have live audiences. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. 
But even without a live audience, tonight's show was proof that they can follow through. They can make a difference. Even though I did watch some of it and was kind of dejected by it, so I don't care. They had wrestling. That's all that some of us need to get through, need to get by. Okay? Sometimes pro wrestling can be, as Will and I mentioned, it can be very dull. It can be very bland. It can be very boring. But tonight's show proved that when you actually put forth effort, you know, to give the spoiled brats, as better known as us fans, an actual show at three hours, it makes you feel like, oh, that warm, fuzzy fucking feeling inside. Like, wow. Like, what am I talking about? Even if the results weren't what some of us wanted, like the whole tag team championship with Naomi and and Lana versus Nia and Shayna, which totally makes sense that Nia and Shayna were to retain and also the men's tag team championship also retained. Does it matter who retains and who doesn't? No. Because at least they made the effort. WWE made the effort on a three-hour program tonight to put forth matches instead of promos, which has been the number one complaint across the board for some of us. Sometimes WWE goes too overboard on... How do I put this? Sometimes they go too overboard on their promos, and sometimes the show drags. Tonight's show, from what I just read, and saw half of it before the guests you know, came on the show, was actually fucking decent. And that's, like I said, that in itself is a rarity for WWE to accomplish. Okay? So... I'm happy. It's the first time wrestling is wrestling, and I will watch the replay because I watched, like I said, I watched two hours and maybe five minutes of it. And reading it because I do have a short attention span, and sometimes I am on my phone just messaging people to be guests on this show. But, wow, a show that had action, intrigue, dejection like normal, but the dejection... You know, it's like, oh, I can't believe New Day lost. Or I can't believe um, I can't believe that McIntyre laid out Strowman and Lashley. Stuff like that. Even though it may not be a big standing out, you know, type moment in professional wrestling, it's still the moment or moments may not be as monumental as AEW shit or New Japan or Impact. But hey, we're making efforts. Not we're making efforts. They are making efforts. Got to give them credit because a lot of times they get critiqued and criticized and told, boy, your show sucks. I mean... 
it does take an effort to create and put together a wrestling show when you only have three hours and limited amount of talent, you know, participating. But Raw was not, it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't good either. At least, at least we were given a show. We're always given a show, but what I mean by at least we're given a show means there's very slim chance that we'll get to see some wrestling. There's a lot of chances that we'll get to see a lot of promos. And tonight, there's nothing fucking near close to that. Oh, and by the way, <clears throat> I'm getting messages folks on Instagram. I will message you guys tomorrow with the answers to those questions. I'm going to have to wrap this up because poor SOB has to go to work tomorrow like every normal blooded American, right? But anyways, folks, tonight was, thankfully, you know, not not a bad one. And the match with Damian Priest and John Morrison, I know people are going to bitch. But you know what? It's all good because, like I said, there seems to be a common theme. Effort. It all takes effort to make a good wrestling show. It takes effort to put your best fucking foot forward. It takes effort. To give a hell of a good show, man. Three hours, and we had wrestling matches. We didn't have... Well, maybe I shouldn't jinx it. <laughs> I keep saying that, but it's like the consistency that was out of tonight's show was the fact that I wasn't lost. I actually... Before the guests came on my show, I was like, wow, you know, I told my roommate, I said, wow, they actually... have professional wrestling. So. All right, folks. That'll wrap her up because I'm going to be talking and saying the same shit, you know, just different wording. But, wow, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I am actually happy with tonight's show. And not to, you know, my show, Raw, of course my show. Why wouldn't I be? Oh, and no, dude, I think that the reason why we didn't answer your question is because we, you know, the guest has to go take a nap or, you know, go home and, or just relax and unwind like most of us, okay? I will get to your question tomorrow as best I can. If you have any questions, you can message them directly on Facebook and, or check out his stuff on Instagram. That's Kickstarter, Heel Turn Comics. Dot com, and uh, if you want to download the episode, dude, you can. It's free. Well, what was the question? Okay, I will be gladly to. You know, I will be glad to answer said question. And uh, thank you guys for listening. If you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say, that I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, there is a new co-host. He will be joining me Wednesday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this would be good, all right? It might be a new time for Off the Rails Uncensored, so we will adjust. I not only adjust accordingly my time or my time accordingly to uh, guests, but also, well, this new co-host. And who is he? Who is she? 
That is to be revealed on Wednesday. So tune in for Off the Rails Uncensored, the sister show of Russell Radio Network. Toodles, bitches, I got to go to sleep. So, Maestro, can you please take your shawari? Did you get You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.